Happy New Year. Happy New Year. This is the first episode of 2023, and we're going to be talking about oaths, and this was actually inspired by one of our patrons, and I'm actually going to read the question and sort of our initial response and sort of where we're going to go from here. This is what he said. I never understood New Year's resolutions. Most give up in a week anyways, and the promises I make myself at this time of year were things I wanted to do regardless. I followed with, It started out, as far as I can tell, as a form of Yuletide oaths. Some writings mention the oaths being taken over a slain wild boar before eating it, even touching the bristles while you do so. However, nowadays these have lost all meaning and are often selfish, because these oaths, or resolutions, were once done publicly, and often affected how much your word was or wasn't valued. In a time when your word was your bond, you can see how these would matter, especially since making an oath and breaking it could result in losing your hand on the chopping block for breaking your oath. Oath rings in the story of Tyr and Fenrir, for examples. But yes, especially in the modern day, they have become meaningless or empty ceremony. And then he responded, and this is what actually caused us to decide to do this show. That might be a fun topic to explore. Oaths, oath breakers, and the consequences. But let's start with resolutions, which we just did a post on Telegram about that. Um, actually, today, which is we're recording on January 1st. So a lot of people probably just made their resolutions. But I'll read the definition. So this is from a post we did well, today. Well, read the whole, the whole post from top to bottom. Because if you follow us on Telegram, this is the in-depth post that we have a tendency to do. This day, a day of new beginnings, a day of resolutions. But what does this mean? What truly is a resolution? Definition, resolution. A firm decision to do or not to do something. She kept her resolution not to see Anne anymore. The quality of being determined or resolute. He handled the last French actions of the war with resolution. Synonyms. Intention, resolve, decision, intent, aim, aspiration, design, purpose, plan, commitment, pledge, promise. You might notice a word missing from this list of official synonyms, this word being oath. This is by design. I have come to have no doubt of, as all peoples understand the inherent nature of an oath. The taking of resolutions being relegated to but a child's game, a light-hearted oath made in fancy and glee during the excitement of the moment, all in an effort to make us oath breakers. Be forewarned, oaths are not to be made frivolously. While one may ask to be released from previous oaths by the gods or man, this can be done only once, for one should know better after a single transgression. Take care to complete the oaths you take upon yourself, even in flights of fancy, for they will hang over your head until they are fulfilled, weighing upon you forevermore should you fail to deliver upon your word. And this is partly why we decided to do this podcast, is your word, your ability to keep your promises, to keep your oaths, to keep your resolutions, and the potential consequences. These are all things that matter. They really do. And this is kind of... Especially in the area we live in, this is kind of the point where a lot of people are placing oaths, resolutions, and, all, and promises upon their head. Well, and there was the, the one lady that we had talked to, what, a year or two ago, and she was talking about how her and her group, everyone wanted to get together and make oaths together, and she was uncomfortable with this. And now we explained to her she was right to be uncomfortable about this because when somebody takes an, an oath publicly, the weight of that oath is also placed upon the witness. It's not just on the oath maker. That's why oaths, they're a very serious thing. When you, when you make a promise, an oath to do a thing or to not do a thing, you are placing the onus of that oath not only upon yourself, but upon all the witnesses. It's a very real thing it's 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 heavy well and when it's your word against somebody else your ability to keep an oath your ability to keep your word it vow it, it matters it really does your word is your bond and the more true that is the more weight the more worth the more magic your word has as a, people might say a promise made is a promise kept yes uh, and, a lannister and, and, always keeps their word right and and Phrasing like that, it carries a lot of weight with our people, an immense amount of weight with our people. That's why we're drawn to such things. Unfortunately, resolutions 
have they're they are still O's, but they've been relegated to the O's of children, which are effectively meaningless. They're practice O's. Yeah, Th- that's effectively what they are for kids. And then what happens is eventually the kids realize they can't keep all these oaths, so they ask to be released. And that's part of the growing up process. And after you've done that, you're supposed to know better. Which is why you only get the one time. We're all supposed to be adults. We know what it means to make a promise. Why do so many people make these promises that they aren't going to keep? Well, and that specifically aren't going to. Because like we've talked about this, um, not on the podcast, but... Uh, in just private conversations when you make a resolution it's not canceled out at the end of the year and you restart a new resolution Mm -hmm. so if you resolve if your resolution is to get to your ideal body or to visit paris or whatever your resolution is whether you view it as frivolous or meaningful it doesn't matter but your resolution doesn't end when the year ends Mm -hmm. it carries over and if you keep adding more well, and you can see it on people. Yeah, the All weight. All the broken resolutions, you can see the weight upon them. Some of them to the point where their word becomes utterly meaningless even to themselves. Which is when they start losing value in themselves. They start to view themselves as empty. Their word is empty. Their value is empty. And they start repeating that to themselves. Well, and they also devalue the word of anybody else. And then woe is if they meet somebody where they know this person's word is worth something. They become angry. They can become terrified. Yes. It's a reaction of fear because they're so used to a disingenuous world that meeting someone genuine terrifies them. They they just simply they don't know what to do with it. Well, and I've had people in real life be like, when you say you're going to do something, it might take you a while, but you're going to do everything in your power to do it. Mm -hmm. I've actually had some people be in awe that I have this resolve and others terrified and it's kind of a watered down version of what you end up getting and i'm not trying to break anybody with the the not revelations the resolutions that they had made before prior but if you've made them please try to keep them try to make them come true well and here's the other thing is like a lot of people when they come into ethnic faith paganism whatever they actually start making O's because it's it's still... Well, we understand that there's value in it. Yes, but we don't understand the full cost, so we end up making O's yes. we can't keep. And here's the thing. It might sound like I was tooting my own horn just a second ago. So for my little slice of humble pie, I made this mistake when I first came into paganism, and there are still oaths that I made frivolously when I first came into paganism that I need to end up keeping so they don't weigh on my head. So anybody who's like, oh, no... I'm in I'm in a similar boat. I just understand the consequences even just on myself because I swore them to myself. And that's the thing is you don't want to devalue yourself, your word. You want to build that up. And especially when you're young and you're basically climbing out of the the ditch that a lot of young men end up in cuz l- let's be honest, when you're a young man, you're kind of bottom of the social rung. Because you start out, unless you have a really good, well-off family or something like that, and a good name behind it, you're starting off bottom of the barrel and you got to claw your way up. Yeah. It's the young man's... Uh, it's just the way man. that it is. It is just how it is. Well, and some people have noticed that I don't make promises. I have a tendency not to make promises. They're like, why don't you ever promise anything? You, you never swear anything. It's because I understand the full import, the full weight of doing such things and when i was young i made promises just like everybody else i made promises i couldn't keep i i had no idea that i couldn't keep them i had full intention of keeping them but sometimes life gets in the way sometimes you get in your own way and create a situation where these promises these oaths cannot be kept and i've learned to not do that because uh, I'm sure that there's some people that's like, well, I wonder what oath the Lord Keeper or what rev, uh, uh, resolutions the Lord Keeper and Celtic God made this year. None. We didn't. We we still have ones we're trying to keep up with. And we still have uh, ones that we've they're pretty much constant. You, yeah, there's basically it's a something we made in the past of our own volition that will basically carry over till we die. And it's more of a code of conduct thing. 
I understand that the the custom now is you have the New Year's party and everybody gets half in the bag or all the way in the bag and then the ball drops and the celebration and everybody goes around and they make New Year's resolutions and what are the new what's your New Year resolution? And it's turned into a childish game. We need to not participate in that by the very fact that we are aware of and follow the hyperborean way we understand the impact of doing these things it doesn't just affect us it affects everybody around us so if you got a hundred people 200 people all making light-hearted resolutions that don't mean anything they know it as soon as it falls out of their mouth you know it as soon as you hear it the entirety of it becomes hollow meaningless empty there is no weight there there it's not solid it it just becomes a show an act a lie well and disingenuousness and lies and just falsehoods are everywhere Mm -hmm. it's like it's one of the reasons nobody likes this whole we have a great culture at work stuff everyone knows it's a lie Mm -hmm. it's you're here to work and you're either somewhere where it's all fake or you're somewhere where, for some reason, they let you take a break in the middle of your shift to sing Mamma Mia. Only if you participate and you got to make sure you have your morning mint chocolate, uh, whatever. The world is odd today. Yeah. But like back to the, the woman that we talked to a couple of years ago with her group and how she was uncomfortable with the oaths. We actually then explained not only the gravity of oaths, but the actual responsibility. Everybody there, especially if they did the whole holding their arm out thing in any fashion. The custom would be if they broke their oath, everybody there is publicly by hearing and witnessing the oath and therefore accepting it, accepting it. They then have to enact They're the responsible for the consequence of removing said arm. Yes. That's it's, why you put your hand like out. grown up version of the Japanese pinky swear. Yes. We, we don't just take the pinky. We take the whole hand, the whole arm. And this is also this ties into things like the story of Tyr and Fenrir how Tyr's hand got bit off by Fenrir. It was because Fenrir made the Aesir swear an oath because he was already distrustful of them by all this shenanigans they'd committed up to that point. Tyr lost his hand because the Aesir broke their oath. And that's the consequence. And this is not just a thing that's in the Eddas. There's also oath rings. Oath rings were reminders of what you could lose if your word was not your bond. Yeah, if your that oath, arm doesn't belong to you anymore. Yes, it is your... Your hand now belongs to your your Jarl, your Earl, your Lord, whatever. That's your what, wife, your husband. Whoever the oath ring represents. It is a reminder of the consequences of said actions. Just to carry over, there is also perjury. It's something a lot of people have forgotten oh, yeah. about, but you actually informed me about it and showed me it, and I'm like, holy crap. And it was used to be if you put your hand on the Bible or whatever, and you per- found out t- they perjured, uh, they'd cut the hand off. Yeah. They'd cut the arm off, and they'd actually have the... There, the there's some images where you got the, the judge up on his stand or, or his chair slash throne, and there would be hands under glass behind him. Those were the hands of perjurers because they would claim those hands. Perjury used to not be you know, punishable by a, a slight fine or 30 days in jail. No, they took your fucking hand because... You was making an oath to tell the tr- the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Now, in in modern law, it doesn't work that way. Not just because they don't take your hand, but because you're not expected to tell the whole truth. Only the truth that the lawyer that's asking you a question wants you to answer. Because context. Well, as a society, we've begun to devalue word more and more. Like, it used to be... All a contract was, was enforcing that, yes, we gave each other our word. Mm -hmm. So you couldn't welch. And then if they found out you welched, well, now your word is worth a lot less. And in business, that's not a good thing. Yeah. And the same is true today. But now the contract is there because, well, you can't prove we said anything or your word is no longer binding. There is no word as your bond. It's one of the things that. It's one of the symptoms of the broader problem of meaning has been removed. Meaning and purpose. Because you need both these things for your oath to mean anything. You not only need it to mean something. You have to have 
purpose and drive behind your oath. It's like a lot of people will say, oh, I'm going to lose some weight. That's my resolution. They don't mean it. Well, go take a big shit. And I guess that you kept your promise. The thing is, is everybody knows that's not what the person meant. No, but they want to do that. Okay. well, now until you've completed that, your resolution is still active. Your oath is still active. The letter of the law, the exact wording of the oath. We all know instinctively, while this matters, it also doesn't matter. Intention. It's the intent behind it that matters. And we know this instinctively. That's, that's why we play the stupid lawyer games. Well, I didn't say how much weight I would lose. I took a dump this morning. And I lost 1.3 pounds. So, therefore, I kept my word and I am a good person. Is he? Is he really? Would any of you accept that? I don't be like, no, fat ass. You said that you're going to lose weight, which means a significant fat loss. It doesn't mean taking a big dump. You ate three pounds of, of bullshit this morning, and then you took a three and a half pound shit. That's not losing weight. Well, and here's the we, reality. We all know it. They, it doesn't even necessarily mean lose weight. Like, let's say someone's uh, 250 pounds. Mm-hmm. By the end of their quote-unquote weight loss journey, they might be 275 pounds. But all muscle. But all muscle. They didn't lose weight, but the intention wasn't to just become a skinny twig. It was to be healthy, yeah. to get to the ideal body they want. And muscle weighs more than fat, so there is the off chance they'll end up, by the time they get to the goal they think they have, weighing more. Weighing more, yeah. And the thing is, we understand... You got the wannabe lawyers out there that's like, well, then he didn't keep his word very well. Shut up. Sit down and shut up. Everyone else knows that the person kept their word. They lost the fat. We know what people mean. The intention behind losing weight is losing body fat, not actual poundage. Well, and I know people get kind of terrified at that notion of your word being enforced to that level. But... There's also other oaths besides resolutions, and they're also having less and less meaning in modern society. Wedding vows. Wedding vows. Shit, just calling somebody a friend. Oh, yeah. Friend has become less and less. I love you has meant less and less. Brother. I'm sorry. Apologies. Apologies mean nothing anymore. Someone tells me sorry. I'm like, I know you don't mean it. I can see it on your face. And you're going to turn around and do it again as quickly as possible. Yeah. It's like, it's why I hate it when people tell kids, you need to say you're sorry. The kid doesn't mean it. You're teaching them to lie. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of what these um, New Year's resolutions are, is teaching people it's acceptable to lie, to be dishonest, whether intentionally or unintentionally. To not think about the consequence of one's words and therefore actions. Well, and because words are it's lo- relegating us all to children. Well, and not only that, it's actually, if you think about it, this, these might not be connected, but I'm going to posit it. The language is degrading as words lose meaning. Mm-hmm. Because if words don't have meaning, they can mean whatever you want them to be. Right. Well, like some people be arguing, well, resolution, making a resolution is not the same as making an oath. It isn't. Please explain. Are you going to get technical with the definition? I can show you the overlap between the definitions, and we know what the intentions are. We know the intention of a resolution, New Year's resolution, is the exact same as making a fucking oath. And to say anything else is to tell a lie. Well, and then here's the thing is when you make an oath, because one of my favorite scenes in fiction Uh, modern fiction is that scene with Jamie Lannister where he's talking about all these so many vows they make you swear and swear swear to the king swear to your father swear to protect the innocent but what if your father despises the king or the king despises your father what if the king massacres the innocent no there's there's too many too many no matter what you do you're forsaking one vow for another and Jamie Lannister is actually a very good character, a good example of what happens when someone's vows become meaningless. And it's not well, because and when they all they become meaningless because they all come in conflict. And it, it isn't just the act of taking the vow. It's the way that the vow is made in conjunction with who is accepting the vow. Well, because it, it takes two to tango. Yeah. So if uh, one person swears an oath to someone 
that person can choose not to accept their oath, at which point the only way that oath is binding is if the person who actually made it decides to enforce it on himself. The person who's supposedly supposed to accept it bears no brunt. In the same token, you can also swear an oath, like let's say you swear to protect the innocent, and then you swear fealty to a lord or a king, provided he never goes against the innocent. Mm-hmm. That and he, you can work that straight into the oath. Yeah, you can add these caveats so the oaths don't conflict. So that you know which one up front, the person who's accepting the oath also has to accept your conditions. Right. So like if you made a vow to protect the innocent and he goes after the innocent, he knows one of two things is going to happen. Either you're going to break your vow to protect the innocent, in which case your word now means less to him, or you're going to turn on him. Well, and actually, in which case your word still means a shit ton, but he knows what you're going to do. Well, and it's actually a common trope in fiction. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll back you, but you better not do this thing or I will switch sides. Mm -hmm. And then it happens and they break that thing. And then the person is true to their word and switches sides or turns on them. And it's technicalities don't work in things like that, because I've seen that in, in fiction, too, which. Okay, don't discredit fiction simply because it's fiction, because there are echoes in real life. This person, this lord, he accepts the vow of a knight below him. So long as the lord never punishes the innocent, doesn't come down and massacre the innocent or whatever, then the lord does exactly that. Genocides an entire village of one of his enemies, just because. Because it's militaristically advantageous. This knight then is like, oh, you have attacked the innocent. And the Lord says, well, who's to say who's truly innocent? Do we actually buy that? Do we actually accept that as a rationale? Are we going to accept, well, who's to say who's truly innocent and who is not? No, because that's sophistry. Yeah. I mean, it is a genuine philosophical question, but in that specific situation, we pretty, know damn well what it is. Well, and that's the thing is there's situations and there's various elements that can affect how things it's one of the reasons we keep pointing out things are guidelines. We can't give people hard and fast rules because there are no hard and fast rules. Someone who kills another person can be a murderer or a hero. Sometimes kindness is a cup of coffee and a smile. Sometimes it's a bullet to the head and tears. It, it's the way life actually is. It's there's nothing you... esoteric about it. There's no hidden meaning. It's all up front. It's easy. It's all up front and honest for us. It, it's it's like the bad guys in the movies that say exactly what it is that they're going to do. They even give all the warnings. Rumpelstiltskin with, with uh, whatever that princess's name was. He was perfectly up front and honest. She welched. She broke her promise. He kept his. And then he even gave her an out because he was a genuinely soft guy. Yes, and then he got screwed as a result. And that's actually how your word would work. And here's the thing is, that's actually the story of basically a magical elf creature getting um, basically screwed over by a family of liars. Mm -hmm. Because the entire Rumpelstiltskin situation... And yet he's supposed to be the bad guy when... In that story, he's the only one that kept his word and never lied. Well, because she lied just to get in that position. Well, her father lied because her father's the one that said, I have a daughter who could spring straw into gold. And then she also lied by allowing the lie to continue. And then she found a way to make it not a lie. To make it work for her. Well, it was still a lie because I don't think that she actually, in any of the versions, I don't think she actually spun it. I don't think that he no, showed it her was, how to uh, do it. I think he just did it for He does her. it a few times. The first time, I think she pays with a ring, and then I think she has something else. And then by the third, she promises the firstborn child. But how is... We've all been taught Rumpelstiltskin is the bad guy in that story. How? He's the only one that didn't lie and actually did what he said he was going to do. That doesn't make for the bad guy. That is not a villain. No, it's one of the reasons why when Rumpelstiltskin shows up in broader media, like Once Upon a Time, he's not technically a villain. And that show's terrible, but the the character is not half bad. He's not really a villain. He's just Rumpelstiltskin. So then I guess one point, uh, one lesson that we can take away from that 
is modernity. Civilization has taught us that telling the truth is bad. You're evil if you tell the truth. If you keep your word, you're the bad guy. Because look at uh, across most of media and books and whatnot. The bad guy never actually lies. He doesn't actually deceive anybody. He, everything's up front and on the table. The Little Mermaid. Ursula, the bad guy, is perfectly up front before the deal is even made. Who is it that's actually cheating? Ursula never made no promises that she wasn't going to to interfere in any way. Because if true love is going to win out, true love is going to win out. There's nothing that she can do about it. And technically speaking, there wasn't. Well, it's not even a technically. It, well, yeah, it's not a technically because I don't need to. Well, technically, true love did win out. That's the, the story Despite of the, what she did. Yeah, specifically in the animated version. Right. The, she, she couldn't stop. And that's what, what I'm talking about is the animated version. And in the song, that, that happy dappy song. Unfortunate just, Souls. Unfortunate Souls. Just before Ariel signed the, the contract, Ursula is perfectly up front. And she even gives her the cost before signing on the line. It's not like, oh, well, you have to accept the deal and then I'll tell you what the price is, which will make it in- infinitely harder. No, she tells her straight up front. Well, and even gives her an out. Yeah, even gives her an out. Is she actually the bad guy of that movie? Or is it Ariel? Or is there no bad guy of the movie? And it's all just conflicting interests. Yeah, just conflicting interests and society, civilization. The notion of good and evil wants you to think there's a bad guy. Well, and actually, if people think about it, the most popular stories are about that, are two conflicting ideas. And yes, uh, the movie or how it's presented might present one is better than the other. But in general, the most popular villains are the ones that are not just strictly evil. Now, there are exceptions to that rule. There are ones where just the fact that they're evil is the fact that they just revel in it is popular. But that's because they're they're cartoonish, comical villains for right. fun. Well, and that's even in the story of Beowulf. Well, Grendel and his mother was definitely the bad guys. Hold up. Did you actually read the story? I'm guessing not. Or you forgot part of it. The king that they was terrorizing in the village that they was terrorizing had broken an oath. Grendel and his mother were perfectly justified in their actions against that. Some of the translations are king, others are chieftain that Beowulf had to come in and help out. It's two sides which are in the right. Kind of. If you want to pick a right side, it's Grendel and his mother. Because there was words broken to Grendel's mother. And they weren't supposed to be having these celebrations. That was part of the treatise. And yet they were doing it. Why do you think Grendel came every time they had they had a celebration and would kill people? Well, and here's the thing is there are consequences for your word not necessarily mattering. And here's the thing is you don't even necessarily need to lie. There's the intent. So, like, technically speaking, we always point out that Loki never lies in the well, stories. Well, we don't technically point it out. We do point it out. Okay, fair we enough. We need to stop using the word technically. Yes, even I have uh, problems with new speak versus old speak. But uh, Loki, in the story of Mjolnir and Sif's hair and all that, basically the, the he bets his head to the dwarves if they can do better than the other dwarves. And so they win, they come for Loki's head, and he's like, well, you can't have my head if you can't get it without taking any of my neck. They fail to do it, so they sew his mouth shut. His word, at least among those dwarves, means nothing now. Mm -hmm. And it's not that he lied. He never lied. But his intentions were technically... The implied intention of the word. Yes. And then he forced them to follow the letter of the word. Yeah. He poured, He actually pulled a lawyer move, which is a bit odd for Loki. Uh, yeah, because typically he doesn't do that. But that is one example. And people will use that as an example of him being a liar. Well, he didn't lie. No, he just went with the letter rather than the intention. Yes, which we inherently recognize that as not being right. Would You asked me, was Loki in the right to do that? Absolutely not. No, but He I'm also sh- didn't want to do that. No, he the entire situation up to that point had been out of his control, more mm-hmm. or less. And well, I mean, I'm, he had options, but what were the what were the options really? Well, and I'm sure he prefers being alive. Anyways, 
With oaths, there's weight. Resolutions are just oaths. In reality, the way that they're handled, they're oaths for children. Why are adults partaking in this? Well, and then there's also um, there's also a rather famous form of oaths from the Celts, which mm-hmm. I don't know much about, but I'm sure you do, which is the uh, the geas or the geese or whatever, however, the however it's pronounced. Yeah, because that shows up a lot in the stories. It's usually um, it's usually a plot development. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's, is it Ku Cullen? makes a bunch of gias, and one of them is he can't eat dog meat, and he can't refuse food. So when the Morrigan, or sometimes it's the Morrigan, sometimes it's three hags, it's hard to tell. But there's a story of how Ku Cullen kind of got messed up, how mm-hmm. he kind of lost It's one of the blessing. dangers of making oaths. Making oaths, because he had two separate ones, and there was, he was put in position. Yeah, because he can't eat dog meat, but he also had a gias, Guys, where, guys, where you and I, I might food. be mispronouncing it too. So, uh, you language people out there that know how to say it, congratulations. Yes. Well, I spent the first uh, year of learning Celtic paganism, uh, Celtic gods, pronouncing "bave bad," because yeah. I didn't know the DB <laughs> phonetics. Yeah, and I had Celts. no idea who you was talking about until, until I found out. Oh, it's pronounced "bave." And I'm like, ah, yes, yes, okay. Now, now I, know I know who you're talking about. Yeah, just. For a whole year, Badaba. <laughs> Badaba. Just like Midaba. Mave. But uh, basically, he could either not eat the dog meat or he could refuse food from somebody. Those were the two options, and both broke a geese. Mm-hmm. Geis. Whatever. The Celtic oath thing. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Let's just call it that Celtic oath. But basically, he ended up eating the dog meat because it was the less rude option. Mm-hmm. But he broke, it, he broke one either way. And it's. it's it's a warning. Don't yeah, the, make the ones thing that from you... Jamie Lannister. It's the same story, just told in a new way. It's, it's you have to be careful what oaths you're taking. Be and, mindful and don't take them lightly because both of those were really playful oaths. Mm-hmm. Don't eat dog meat. Well, when is that going to come up? What, like that, that one was clearly made as like half a joke. Right. And then you also have the the never refuse food from somebody. That's not going to come back to bite you. Right. I mean, even if someone's not intentionally poisoning you, what if you have like um, that one soup from Lord of the Rings that was terrible? I forget the character's name, but basically the whole like a girl likes you and she brings you food, but she's a terrible cook. Yes. All the, the chickens underdone, the carrots are raw, the soup tastes well, like carrots, piss. Well, carrots are just poison. Nobody eat carrots. <laughs> carrots will poison your soul. He doesn't like carrots. They're, they're poisonous things that should not exist. They're not even good for... Oh, man, I can taste carrot now. That's how bad carrots are for you. Don't eat carrots. And if you ask uh, Pythagoras, it's fava beans, I think. Uh, it's some kind of bean. Yeah. It, if he can do it, I can do it. I just don't have a fancy hat. <laughs> but... These things are important. We need to carry them with us. We need to encourage people. If they do make an oath, encourage them to keep that oath, no matter how lighthearted it was made. We it, actually impress ta- upon them. Your oath affects me. Well, and I, you are if you accept someone's oath, if they break it, you're bound to dish out the consequences. Mm-hmm. That, that's how that works. Now, with a resolution, there's no outright consequence, but the, there is a consequence. The consequence is your word means less. Even with something as... A resolution. Who are you more likely to believe in the future? The person that says that makes the resolution of I'm not going to drink alcohol anymore. And then three months later, he's drinking like a fish or the person that says I am going to get in shape. And then they do. Who are you more likely to believe in the future over anything? It doesn't matter. Like something as simple as. Oh, yeah, I'll swing by your house on Saturday at about noon. The the one that couldn't keep his drinking in check or her drinking in check most likely ain't going to show up. The one that got in shape most likely is. And you know this to be true. It's not that the guy that did, that broke his resolution won't show up. It's just he's less likely to. Well, and the more someone at least does their best, their best ability to keep that resolution, mm-hmm. to keep that oath, the more likely you are to 
back them, the more likely you are to want to work with them, want to interact with them. Like uh, a famous example from the North, uh, Harold Finehair, Fairhair. Fairhair, I think the name is. But he basically swore to unite all his The guy with the matted up hair anyways. Basically, he swore never to cut his hair, never to comb his hair, and that he was going to unite all of Scandinavia all to get a girl. Uh, uh, he failed on two of the counts. I don't think he ever combed his hair or and cut his hair again. he didn't get the girl, I don't think. No, but he also didn't fully unite it, but man, did he give it the old college yeah. try. Yeah. It's, he was impressive. He was impressive enough that we remember him today. Oh, yeah. And, and it's actually an interesting story. I'm probably going to have to look it up again now that you mentioned it. Because it is an interesting story about an interesting person that really wanted something. Nobody expected him to even really give it to get anywhere with it. And he did. He made impressive steps. Well, and if you think about it, taking all these vows and oaths and how important and the potential consequences, it also explains why for the longest time, unless it was politically viable, you probably didn't bother to have a ceremony to indicate you were coupled. You didn't fully get married. Because if well, you, in the modern sense, yes, in the modern sense, with the long list of vows and the procession and all this stuff, I mean, we have done that for a long time, but it wasn't necessarily something that happened to everyone. Some people might just get coupled or mated or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. But it's because on a political spectrum, not only are you making it in front of two whole kingdoms or at the very least clans, because that's also a political marriage, two mm-hmm. clans coming together, but you also. You're making it clear there are consequences if I break up with you. And it's not divorce court consequences. It's far, far it, yeah, cheaper it's than war. that. Motherfuckers are going to die. Yes, if you break this. Your arm that you, on a political marriage like that, you're not putting your arm at stake. You're putting your entire people at stake. Yeah. There's a reason that instead of getting divorced, they just started trying to kill each other and get mistresses. Yeah. Oh Well, and there's a, a story. I think it was a king and queen in Spain. The king and queen didn't like each other. It was a political marriage, straight up. They spent their entire marriage trying to assassinate each other. And then somebody else assassinates the, the king. The queen loses her shit and starts killing anybody that might have even possibly been involved with it. Aides, advisors, Lords, dukes, barons, whatever the names of those those nobles were in Spain, even went to war over it because she thought another nation was behind assassinating her husband. Not because she didn't want him dead. He was hers to kill. She made a vow to protect him. You know, aside from trying to kill him. Yeah, aside from trying to kill him. Well, and that's the funny thing is by the end, they basically had fallen in love with each other, but they didn't stop trying to kill each other because that's their foreplay, you know. Yes. <laughs> and it's an interesting story. At least, you know, until you dig too deep and that turns into a whole bunch of political intrigue. And well, and that's I the guess wh- if you like that kind of stuff, it'd be interesting. Well, Game of Thrones was popular, yeah. so I'm going to assume a lot of people actually like that. But it's written in dry history speak, so. Yeah. Got to wait. Got to wait for the movie. Right. Got to wait for the movie. man. <laughs> got to wait for the movie or the, uh, or the what, what's that called? The drama ser- series or something like that. Something yeah. like whatever that. the crap is that they're doing now. Whatever. Whatever's in fashion. And that's the thing is like when someone says and makes their word and then completes it, they're more likely to get backed, whether it's business, whether it's family decisions, you earn respect, you earn status. Even if it's just how people view you. Well, and I, I gave an example a little bit earlier about an oath. It's an oath given, but it's an unceremonious oath. It's not, I do I doth hereby oath to visit thee on Saturday about nooneth. No, but you still made a promise. A promise is still an oath. It's a vow. It's a, I am going to do this thing. It's less... It's a lesser promise, but it's still a promise. A promise made is a promise kept, damn it, if at all in your power. Well, and the interesting thing is we brought up earlier, we're not we don't necessarily expect kids to keep their promises. You no. encourage them to, but you understand kids can't fully understand they can't the comprehend the full impact of it. Now on the other hand, you know, it's actually a a trend in fiction, usually in the nineties, early two thousands. 
the father making promises. I'm going to get to your ball game. I'm going to be there for your big dance recital or whatever. And then right. they don't show up and it's the kids are rightfully angry. Right. And sometimes in the movies or shows, it, it's he couldn't have. There, it was beyond his control and he tried, but he couldn't do it. That doesn't matter to the kid. No. And it's why you really need to be careful what you promise, mm-hmm. what you oath. And we're not against the concept of oaths. I'm not against someone making an oath. I am more warning people. Be very careful how you do an oath, what you oath, and who you oath to. Because, like, let's say you oath to somebody. Like, you actually swear fealty. Do you know what you're getting into? Do you you necessarily even know the person? Don't do that lightly. Or uh, we've actually actually talked about this, too, which is... um, Choosing a God to venerate because some people will try to specifically pledge themselves to a God. Like for not, whatever reason. Yes. You are basically oathing fealty to that God, whether it's the Morgan, the Dogda, uh, freaking Frere, Zeus. It doesn't matter. But you are now bound by oath to that deity. Now, that the it might be the people who are associated with that God that now enforce that. Or you could argue the metaphysical element of it. Mm-hmm. But in reality, even there's even a possibility that God didn't accept your oath because you have to be worthy on your end too. Mm-hmm. They're a freaking God. What do you, if they're not worthy of it, then who is? Right. But that's another example, and a lot of people will do it. It's like um, people who join the Christian church, to use an example. When they become a priest or they become a monk or a nun, technically I think they're supposed to swear like a vow or something. Yeah, there's some kind of vow that goes on. Uh, like the nuns and a lot of the sects actually marry Jesus Christ. Yes, so there's there's elements of that. And it's not the same as what would happen in a pagan society. I'm just using that as something people might know. And we all know like Christians, the church had a habit of making Evil loopholes. does not create. It merely corrupts. Yes, we brought that up before. And thus, the church exists. Well, my favorite thing about them is they would actually make those oaths, all these really elaborate, I won't do this, I won't do that, I marry thee, and all these other things. And then make a safe space. Quite where literally. It count. Before, before the pink-haired people came up with safe spaces, the people with the absolutely terrible bald haircut would have their safe spaces where they could literally commit any sin. And they're, they're, they're scot-free. We are away from God's eyes. In this tiny room. In this room. special room. This special room <laughs> in the freaking monastery. Oh. You know, the rest of this is a house of God, but this is the heart house of the party animal, yo. And, well, technically. None of that. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. We all know that it's ridiculous. We know that we instinctively know if I say that I'm going to come over on Saturday, I I have vowed, I have pledged, I have oathed, I have promised to come over. And granted, you might... It, okay, here's another thing. If I am constantly breaking my word, you are not expecting me on Saturday. If I show up, you're like, oh, wow, he actually showed up. But if I always keep my word... Now the your response is going to be differently or different. You're going to actually expect me. And then if I don't show up, shoot, you might actually get worried. Like he always shows up. Did he get in a car crash? Did he get into a fight with a bear? Let's like, go looking happened? for him. He might need help. And that's the difference. It's Yeah, it is a massive difference in response based on who keeps their word and who does not. Or uh, another example, this is less serious than an oath or a vow or a resolution or anything but let's say you get mad at someone someone you care about and you start arguing with them and you start screaming all these things at each other hurtful things but both of you meant every single word none neither of you lied it's just releasing this bottled up aggravation not none of it's a lie none of it's slander it's just the honest truth unfettered neither of you needs to apologize there's no apology because neither of you lied yeah. Neither of you said anything just to be hurtful. Not just to be hurtful. Not if you actually love each other. And then you can grow from there. Right. It's Perf- like this was basically all the lies getting released and, and the truth coming out. The truth shall out. Yes. In which case, then there are some things to talk about, of course. The things were said in a way to hurt your feelings, but not said to hurt your feelings. 
if well, that makes sense. Well, and then part of the issue in modern society is the concept of an individual truth. There oh, is. Yes. Oh, like, <laughs> but I write in my voice. It's my truth. That's not a thing. What the fuck? That's not a thing. That History cannot, like we've said this before, you can't have a fully 100% agreed upon history because events there's affect too many, different... There's too many people involved. There's too many viewpoints, too many variables, but that doesn't make what happened, like just the bare bones of what happened, if you just listed it, mm-hmm. any less true or untrue, depending on what's listed. You can't make this subjective truth truth is not subjective viewpoint experience right. history that is, is subjective. subjective but actual truth not so much for and example it's not that truth the uh, is... plymouth rock thing that you talk about oh yeah uh for europeans it's the start of a nation arriving on plymouth rock for amera indians it's the start of the conquest of their lands or whatever they want to claim are their lands and number three for blacks to quote malcolm x plymouth rock didn't we didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on us. These are three different groups. The three groups that have tip, are typically considered to have basically always been here while we've been a country. And one of the founding myths of our nation cannot be agreed upon. They're fundamentally diametrically opposed. But and that doesn't eliminate the truth of Plymouth Rock. Yes, but all three are going to view that truth differently. Right. And we've, we've said it and before. And some people might even argue because there, there's some arguments. Well, Plymouth Rock doesn't actually exist. That thing never actually happened. In that case, it's that still doesn't matter because Plymouth Rock still happened, even if it's not an actual rock. We didn't actually land on it. We, we landed somewhere completely different and did a completely different s- set of things. It doesn't matter because that story still stands. It has become a truth. Well, that's part of the thing is history and myth are interconnected. Mm-hmm. And by myth, I mean the popular stories of the time. Like, you cannot understand modern-day America without understanding things like, I don't know, Harry Potter, Marvel. And you go back further. You can't understand, I don't know, a cultural revolution without understanding the fiction of the time, yeah. the poetry of the time. You go further back, like World War II. People, you can't understand certain things that happen in the trenches unless you understand Winnie the Pooh happened for a lot of these people for kids because they would sing the songs in the trenches or at least supposedly. And before that, you go to the medieval era, the stories of King Arthur, whether you view those as mythic or fictional. And honestly, it's a bit of column A, bit of column B, depending on the version you're reading. There are entire castles built because of that. And the thing is that we point out consistently there's no universal truth, but there still is objective truth within observable truth right well and here's the thing is um the powers that be have even grabbed a hold of that concept and they will keep repeating lies Mm. until they become truth well it's it's true like you repeat a lie often enough it actually becomes truth because that's what the perception is which makes it truth even if it's not true that's why we need to hold to our word that's we need to stand this line this is one of the lines we need to as hyperboreans Mm. stand stand that line and do not waver well it's one of the reasons i am protective of certain things like i will i've actually gotten into massive arguments with people over something as simple or seemingly meaningless as othan is not a god of poetry i have actually got falling out huge falling out with people over this but he was never venerated as a god of poetry he was never seen as a god of poetry he's not even a god of poetry in the stories we have people just started calling him that while there is a god who is quite literally the god of scalds of poetry diplomacy of poets the the first maker of poetry Mm -hmm. that's one of his titles it's why the, the meat of poetry is the meat of inspiration. And the meat of inspiration is made from Kavasir's blood. And this is just in one storytelling tradition from a very corrupt time period. But it's, it, it matters to me because of the fact that it is objectively a lie to say that Othan is a god of poetry. It is objectively a lie. I am not okay with that. And especially if it means an entire deity is going to be forgotten, shunned, and ignored because everything he does is misattributed. This is the consequence of just that tiny, seemingly meaningless lie. 
And the individual that we had the falling out with even said, well, why can't you just let us have this? That's why. Because a God will fade and die because you're allowed to have that lie. Well, and they will play the, well, that's your opinion card. Well, that's your opinion. No, this is not an opinion. We, We have a tendency not to put out opinions. And when we do, we put up the big sign that says, this is an opinion on the very rare occasions where we do that. Well, and on the subject of words and truth and meaning and the power of your word, singers. Bragi is the god of poets, the god of singers, the god of storytellers, the Mm -hmm. god of diplomats, where your word matters. For instance, Kurt Cobain, we've brought him up several times. Mm -hmm. He put so much meaning behind every song he sung, whether he wrote it or not, that we still remember him. He had a very short career, well, but he put that much power into it. He put that much meaning behind it because he meant it. He meant what he sang. There, it's it's actually fairly old. I thought it was fairly new, but turns out, no, it's fairly old. Actors, singers, performers in general, they are professional liars. But there's a contradiction in their career. They are professional liars, but they must always tell the truth. How is this? That's the. And if you think about it, that is the difference between a good performer and a bad performer. A bad performer just tells a lie. A good performer tells tells a lie, but he is always telling the truth. It's it's like the storyteller. He tells lies to reveal the truth. Well, it's like uh, you can write new myths or at the very least new mythic type uh, stories like Lord of the Rings is the most Mm -hmm. famous example of this. But you can also, as you write, this is why unless writers peak at an early age and just never recapture that magic, they typically get better as they age because they understand more and more. It's Mm -hmm. like Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash, another singer was never a better singer till the very last few moments before he died. Mm-hmm. Technically speaking, he was not very good by the end. He was never the best technical singer in terms of his technique, but he always had power. But the the one song that pretty much made him a legend didn't occur until he was almost dead. The cover he did of Hurt, and it's because he understood it. His word had power. His word had meaning. Not just the the skill and the understanding and the fact that this is freaking Johnny Cash, one of the most famous American singers of the last hundred years, but that he understood what he was singing. In a way that the guy that wrote it could not. To the point where the person who wrote it said, that song's his now. I wrote it. I performed it first. That is a Johnny Cash song from now on. And this, this isn't even an oath. This isn't a vow. This isn't a resolution. This is song which is a completely different use of word, but it's still meaning. People want magic in words. How much meaning can you impart on a song, in a poem, in a speech? That's where the magic comes in, but you have to mean every freaking word of it. Yeah, I I don't even know where to go with it from here because that comes down to the very crux of it. It is the word has power. A person's word has power because they mean what they say. Unadulterated, unfiltered, they mean what they say. It, you can call red green. But if you're still telling the truth, and not technically, but this red has a beautiful green hue to it and exp- explain that you can actually create something really powerful there. Well, it's like um, that whole shape. There's like a a tube, basically, like Mm -hmm. a flattened tube, like a cylinder. Look at it from one angle, it's a rectangle. Look at it from another angle, it's a circle. Look at it from a different angle, you can see that it's a cylinder. That's kind of the difference is there are different viewpoints, but you can see that it's a cylinder, but neither person that says it's a circle or a rectangle is lying right unless they know that it's a tube then they're lying and then then why are they saying that's a circle or a rectangle they might be revealing another truth that you can only see if you view that tube as a circle or a rectangle intention matters well and this is part of it this is why people so angry right now 
We are being lied to and we know it. We're being lied to by politicians. We're being lied to by spiritual leaders. We're being lied to by health gurus or or uh, what's that other term for them? Social media health personalities. Influencers or, or whatever. Yeah, whatever. By, by TV and movies and songs. And they're not even telling good lies. They're not telling good. What is a good lie? A good lie isn't necessarily that everybody believes it. Does this lie make you better, a better person? That is one potential meaning. Because the story of King Arthur and Merlin and the more, uh, not the Morgan, uh, Morgana, Morgana Le, Fay. Le Fay. It might be a complete lie simply because it's not true. It never, and none of these stories ever actually happened. Even in like an older, more primal form. Right. Even it just. It's completely pulled out of nowhere. Just a fiction. Just a complete fiction. Does that make it a lie? Well, no, because it it makes people strive to be better. Well, it's like, um, to use another pop culture example, in The Simpsons, there's actually an episode really early on in the series where Lisa discovers that the town hero, the town founder, Jebediah Springfield, was actually Hans Sprungfeld, an evil pirate. And then she goes through this whole rigmarole and this whole controversy, and she eventually discovers the truth that, yes, it wasn't he was this evil pirate. But at the very end, when she can reveal the truth and she has the proof, she decides not to because the entire town is better off with the myth of Jebediah Springfield rather than the truth of Hans Mm -hmm. Sprungfeld. And it's not that she doesn't value the truth. It's not that in reality that this truth didn't matter to an extent, but it's a lot like, um, like for instance, the, the story of George Washington and crossing the Delaware on Christmas Eve and all that stuff. There's all these myths and stories and folklore around it. Mm-hmm. Most of it probably didn't happen. Betsy Ross, probably or at least didn't feed, not the way that they're told. Yes. Like Betsy Ross probably didn't feed them soup. There wasn't probably a goddess of liberty and victory that came down and spoke to Washington in a vision. These are probably all stories. Or it might have been a delusion. Or it might have actually been a goddess. Who knows? Might have been a goddess. It doesn't matter. No, it's the point is that it emboldens the spirit. To use use the Simpsons word, a noble spirit embiggens the smallest man. Yes. Uh, And that wasn't a bad edit. That's actually just the way they said it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, is like... also goes like this people ask me well do you believe in the gods yes i do so you believe that they're physical real beings in in another realm and yes i do but it doesn't matter people ask me am i religious i don't even know how to answer that i i don't it's a completely foreign concept to me i don't understand what it is that they're asking do i believe the gods are literal beings yes but it doesn't matter if they are it doesn't matter if they exist. It doesn't matter if I can go to another realm and shake their hands or if they come here and I could shake their hand. It doesn't matter. I still believe in them. Well, it's like um, the way someone put it is even well-known figures are, are like Washington or Jefferson or even Edison or Tesla. They're ghosts. Mm-hmm. We have evidence they existed, but you can't go up and shake their hand. You can't go up and talk to them right now. They're ghosts. What we feel is the void, the impact they left in the world. And you can argue that there's a spirit of Tesla just being awesome out there or whatever. But it's their ghosts, for lack of a better term. They're ghosts that we still honor every day. Mm -hmm. And this is the importance of word, of oaths of resolutions of promises words matter ultimately they matter they impact not just ourselves but the world which is another bigger topic which i'm hoping that we get to soon um but yes uh, we've been talking for an hour so it's time for us to get out of here i hope that we gave people some inspiration something to think about some stuff to look into and consider and hopefully to become better versions of themselves. All right, so I'm out of here, and then I'll let you wrap up. Thank you to our patron who actually suggested this idea 
the Teespring store is about to get redesigned, so if anyone sees something on there they want, feel free to get it now before it's gone. Uh, thank you to the people that back us on Buy Me a Coffee and Buy Us a Book. And thank you to everyone else that shares us around and supports us. And Happy New Year. And for everyone, remain resolute. I know it's hard, but we can get meaning back within our words. Our words can mean something again. They can be, for lack of a better term, magic. But f- we have to start living by the code of conduct again that our word is our bond. <laughs>